Mm, welcome. Glad that you're here this weekend. Uh, on your way in, you're handed the notes for the service if you want to go ahead and grab those. Uh, let me uh, welcome all of our campuses in while you do that. Not uh, only Lone Tree, but Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood, uh, our folks that live stream us right now, and even our post-production people. That might be those that will listen in the next couple of weeks. And I always imagine I've got a, a buddy that has to travel uh, somewhat regularly back and forth to Florida. And from time to time, he'll use um, our post-production uh, to, uh, to enjoy the service. And, and he gets to, he goes to Florida, and he gets to walk on the beach and listen to the message while he's walking on the beach. And I would think I probably sound 10 times better uh, <laughs> in that condition right there. So uh, anyway, welcome. Glad that you all, uh, that, that you're here. Um, want to uh, want to welcome you and uh, uh, also um, say happy Thanksgiving. Uh, later on this week, we'll celebrate uh, Thanksgiving. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a double blessed and busy time for us. Um, day after Thanksgiving, uh, our, our son Daniel and his fiance Holly get married, and we are, we are super excited about that. Um, with that, though, you know, imagine planning a wedding for the day after Thanksgiving, and it works out well because we have everybody here, and um, um, everybody's you know, kind of set for that. And here's, here's the thing. Somebody asked me uh, coming into the weekend, are you ready for Thanksgiving? And I know this sounds funny. I completely forgot we have Thanksgiving this coming week with a wedding the, the day after. But we're, we're excited about that. We can't, uh, we can't wait. We're giving thanks for many things uh, this year. Uh, okay, we're going to go uh, in, into the message. We're going to conclude uh, the message, um, the, the series with this message right here. And, and our series has been called Selfie. If you happen to be visiting or it's been a little while, uh, real quick, the nature of it has been uh, as a title. We said it's the idea of moving from a self-centered life to a God-centered life. You'll remember that when we, when we said that, it's not the assumption that people aren't doing that uh, or that we're teaching trying to get that to happen. It's the assumption that the reason you're here this weekend is because you love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you're trying to move more and more that way. That should be the right assumption. So we're teaching for that. Before I go any further, uh, let me stop and recognize that uh, last weekend, Pastor DeMay taught. And uh, again, what a home run Dan hit, knocked it out of the park. want to thank him for, for his ministry. Just outstanding. So under your transition point right there, if you'll, you'll find it in your notes, uh, the last message is on selfless, selfless. If you've got a pen, you may want to pull it out. There might be a few things that I'll share that are not in your notes um, right there. Uh, let, let me say this first and foremost. When I, when I wrote this, we're putting it together, the teaching teams all together. We're praying about this. Uh, the first thing that, that is, uh, that, I'll just admit it to you, this is one of those messages you could mess up real quick. Because when you're going to teach on selfless, can you imagine how easy it is for that message to transition into uh, the law? Yeah. And the idea of telling people that you have to be selfless, that, that, that if you're a good Christian, you're going to be a selfless person. And while that may be true in nature and in function, the truth of the matter is, gosh, if we try to use imposition, we're going to impose, I'm going to go home and be selfless. A few of you chuckle and you realize the problem. I'm going to say it one more time. Look at me. Imagine the problem right now. You're going to go home and make yourself be selfless. You're not getting it. We'll get there in just a minute. Okay. Um, it's the very idea. Uh, I'll, I'll throw this out to you. If you want to find out, um, trying to use imposition, 
Uh, in other words, in positions, the idea of forcing yourself. Uh, how about this? It's Thanksgiving time, and some of you are being imposed upon right now. <laughs> and how much fun is it? <laughs> Not very, right? Imposition. No one likes an imposition. Uh, impositions, they put us out. Impositions are sort of, we just put up with an imposition. And so if you take this message and you try to teach the idea of an imposition, I'm going to force myself to be selfless. Uh, you're not even catching the, the oxymoron. I'm going to force myself to be selfless. There's a problem with it already. And if you don't believe that, go home and try to be selfless. And you'll find out the problem trying to use flesh to make your flesh do something. That's not the way that this will work. So I'll just admit right now that we can't teach this with the idea of using the law to make us self. You don't want to guilt someone into being selfless. Let me, let me just throw that out uh, real quick. Uh, I, I put right below that, teaching about selflessness can be legalism in disguise. And I'll, I'll give you how this works. Tell me it's not, it's not one of these deals. Um, we, there's two missionaries I thought about that they're very impressive to me. Uh, both of them are people that uh, I, I've gone to church with. Uh, both of them um, are, are from my ministry. Jeff and Nikki Reitz, they're, they're missionaries to Mozambique, Africa, that we support. Jeff was here just a little while ago. Jeff's a little older than I am. Uh, Jeff, all his children are adults. They all live here. His grandchildren uh, are all growing up now. They live here. And Jeff and Nikki, uh, in their 50s, felt the Lord call them to give up everything they have and move to Mozambique, Africa. And I, I mean, what a noble thing, right? What an awesome thing. Put yourself in that place for just a second to, to leave behind your house, uh, to leave behind everything that you've worked. This was a guy, by the way, this is not a guy who was in trouble financially. So we went to the ministry as the bailout. This is a guy who was very successful in life. This is a guy that did very well for himself, and in the middle of that, he heard the Lord speak to him, and he moved everything, he and his wife, all the way to Africa, leaving behind their children and their grandchildren here. You imagine that. And whenever he tells his story, I'm so impressed by his story, but here's what happens. It touches a place inside of me where I'm like, I should do things like that. <laughs> and it happens to be right when I'm driving a new car, <laughs> or I'm enjoying, you, you know what I'm, it's like when you watch a commercial and it's that little dog that's shaking like that and you're sitting there stuffing your mouth with a big sandwich right at the time where the dog hasn't eaten anything for three months or something like that. And you're like, I, I should be a better person. Uh, the other one, Larry Good. Larry's a missionary of ours down in Peru. Larry's my age. Larry, successful again too, owned a couple of restaurants, uh, some stuff here in Colorado and up in Alaska, did very well for himself, retired actually early, and he made a mistake in that he went down to Peru uh, as a tourist, and he ran into a bunch of throwaway kids, and he, the Lord said, you're living your life for yourself, Larry, and I've got more for you than what you could possibly imagine. Will you follow me? And Larry sells everything that he has and goes down there to live amongst these people. Whenever I go down there, I think to myself, God, look at this guy. I should do this. As I pull the covers up over my <laughs> neck because I'm cold, you know, something like that. And you always, you think to yourself when you see things like that, it's very impressive and something inside of us sees the nobility about that or the worth in that. And we think, I, I, I should do something great. That's, if you, here, here's the thing. They heard from God to go do it, so there's grace to go do it. 
But when you and I hear things like, as much as we're like impressed by it, or we're like, oh, that's awesome, or maybe I should do something. Here's the thing. If you go try to do it without God telling you to do it, that's imposition. And how long will it work? You ever done things like that in your life where you're like, I should be a better person. And after two days, you're like, there's a reason why I'm not a better person. (laughs) God, help me. Let the pastor preach a message on selflessness so I can get this. (laughs) So I put as the example, it's one of those things to where when you teach this message, imagine I could stand up and throw all sorts of examples and touch a flesh place in our hearts. Because if you love God, that place is accessible in all of us, isn't it? All of us are going to feel some type, oh, I I should do more. Maybe I should give more. Maybe I should go. And here's the thing. It's a, it's, a one, it's a noble thing. And we can feel so good about it. But if God's not doing it, there's no grace to do it, and it becomes flesh. I mean, you know you can even do good things, and they're dead works. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah. Some of you are very tired, and you're wondering why. Never mind. So let's, <laughs> let's just do this. Let's go at it from this point of view. Let me... Let me let me throw a couple of scriptures out to you and, and try to teach this from the idea that it can't be done with the flesh, but it's got to be an act of the Spirit. God's got to play a part in this in our lives. So let, let me begin. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And Jesus is actually touching on the very thing of selflessness, being a disciple, following him, uh, just giving it all for the cause of Christ. And he's very plain spoken here. And, and this is how Jesus says it. Then he said to them, uh, by the way, help, help me with this word right here. What is this? All. So theologically speaking, how many does that include? All. You'd have to go to seminary four years to mess that word up when you're teaching this. All is all. So it's men, it's women, it's people who are called full-time vocational, people who do something else completely different, but they love God, people who are young, people who are old. It does, this, is a, this is a qualifying word. So Jesus is saying to All people, whoever wants to be my disciple. And notice, he doesn't force this. The opportunity to do it is there. This becomes important. This is not mandated like you have to do this. And even though it is a have to do, the way that it's done, look at the difference between flesh and spirit. So he says to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, And follow me. It's pretty plain spoken. I mean, there's not a lot of ambiguity in that. It's just pretty straight out. And if you read that message, and this message comes across to you like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's scriptures like this that really cause people to come underneath the law because they don't understand how God works through the Spirit. Let me. I'll give you a greater example. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus teaches the Beatitudes. You remember, blessed are those who... Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble. Uh, he goes through all of this, and then he, he teaches a little further in, in Matthew chapter 5, and it's in my notes. It's not in yours. Uh, 5 verse 20, Jesus makes this statement. Uh, Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of a Pharisee and a lawkeeper, you'll never make it to heaven. And it's scriptures like that that if you take Jesus literally... Follow with me. Unless your righteousness exceeds a 
law keepers righteous. Well, who's he? He's talking about the people in that time who kept kosher laws. And they had 613 that they were obligated to keep every day. And if you've ever gone to Israel with me on Friday night starts the Shabbat from Friday sundown till Saturday sundown. One of the obscure laws that they still keep today, if they're going to keep the law, they can't make fire. It's in the Old Testament. You're not allowed to make fire. So they interpret that, that anything that you touch that has power can't be done during the 24 hours of the Shabbat if you're going to keep the law. So for instance, if you go to get on an elevator, you can't touch the button to make it go up because the electricity causes a spark and that's making fire. So what they do to get around it is they pre-program the elevators to stop on every floor. So if you're an unsuspecting tourist <laughs> getting ready to go down to dinner and you're staying at a hotel that's 25 or 30 stories and you hit that first one and it stops at every bink, bink, the door opens and nobody gets on or off. You're like, what is, it? this is possessed. Why is this doing this? And they're doing it because it's one of the obscure laws. If you're going to keep the law, listen, you have to keep even the laws like this. And so Jesus teaches this, unless your righteousness is better than the people that keep all the obscure laws, you're never going to make it to heaven. And if you don't get what he's saying here, yes or no, that scripture either has to just be simply ignored and you hope for the best. I mean, how would you? Or you've got to go out and do better than the people who keep obscure laws like that. Right? So how in the world do we interpret scripture? Like, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of a Pharisee and a lost keeper, you're never making it to heaven. This is where understanding all of scripture, not a verse, but all of scripture becomes crucial. 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, this is what Paul writes. You are in Christ, the righteousness of God. In Christ, you have the righteousness of God. Here's what Jesus is teaching. He's not saying unless your righteousness is better than another man's righteousness. He's saying unless you have a righteousness that's different than mankind's righteousness, you're never going to make it to heaven. And people that don't understand how it works run out to try to keep the law. I'll make myself do these things in order to make it to heaven. All right, back up to this scripture. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. If you don't understand how the Holy Spirit works, you're going to have to take this scripture and you're going to have to impose on your flesh a cross every day, yes or no? You're going to have to figure out how you're going to serve Christ this way. How am I going to pick up my cross and follow him daily? Because I want to be his disciple. And if you don't get how the Holy Spirit works, dude, you will leave this place tonight imposing on your flesh. So now here's what I know. There are people who love God, churches who are full of people who love God, who put so much law on themselves that it's unbearable trying to serve God. And they connect the idea of God's grace and his mercy to being all the stuff that I'm doing all these good things. Surely God approves and all you're doing is wearing yourself out because it can't be done that way. All right, so let me, let me throw this in then. 
I put in that scripture important who's it's for. It's for all, all who want to be disciples. So let me just quickly, let me show you two things that, that I think are absolutely crucial when it comes to the idea of being a selfless person. The first one, let me, let, I, the first one, I'm not going to soften at all. The first one, I'm going to throw out there the way that Jesus did it. And before you die, I'll come back around and throw a lifeline to you, okay? All right, so let me, let me do it this way. The first one, if you're going to be a disciple, you've got to count the cost of the call. All right, one of the things that I say, sort of a cliche, it's true. Many people, when I say it, will say amen to it. I'll stand up here and I'll go, salvation is free. But discipleship will cost you everything. And people are like, yes, it's true. The work of salvation is free. It's a gift of God. It's sort of like, if I want to be a disciple, then it'll cost me everything. We almost make it like it's two separate things. You can be in salvation, but you have a choice whether or not you want to give it all to be a disciple. And the truth of the matter is, if you're going to go for salvation, you automatically have to give it all to be a disciple. You don't get to separate the two things. Uh, let, me, let me throw it out this way. A lot of times, the idea is like there's a separation or an option to us. Like, I'll come into salvation, but the idea of giving it all for the cause of Christ, I don't know, Pastor, if I really want to do that. You know, Jesus often, through the scriptures, would cite the cost of being a disciple. I just put down just a few of them in your notes. Uh, Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells the disciples this. Who will go and build a tower unless they first sit down and decide whether or not they have enough money to complete it? Or who goes to war to decide whether or not your 10,000 can beat somebody with 20,000? Count the cost then before you become a disciple. Make sure that you really want to pay the price. I mean, that's just pretty plain spoken, isn't it? Most altar callers aren't given that way. They're like, hey, if you got problems, Jesus is here to help you. We never throw out the other that if you come to Christ, he loves you, he'll forgive you, you will find salvation, but here's the expectation. You've got to give everything to him. Five of us. Woo. How, how about this? When he begins to cite the cost, how about this one right here? Uh, Luke chapter 9. This is one of those ones where sometimes Jesus is very politically incorrect. I almost think you can hear the disciples talk. Here's, here's what he says. If you want to be my disciple, you've got to come right now and follow me. So a man walks up to him and says, Lord, I do want to be your disciple, and I do want to follow you, but first, let me go bury my dead father. You remember Jesus' answer? Absolutely. Do you need someone to come and preach the funeral for you? What did he say? Let the dead bury themselves. If you're going to follow me, come now. Can you see the disciples going, Jesus, this isn't really winning us a lot of friends <laughs> as we try to go down this road. How about this one? Uh, John chapter 6. He's got a lot of disciples, and he turns to them one day and he says, uh, unless you guys are willing to uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. So why don't you decide right now where you're at? And the Bible says that many of the disciples said to themselves, this is a really hard saying. Who can do these things? And they turned and walked away from him. And let me just ask you the question. Whenever Jesus tells all the disciples, whenever he reminds them of the cost of following him, do you think he's doing that because he's trying to figure out who's in and who's out? 
I don't think, here, in fact, in John chapter 6, it actually records the scripture this way. It says, Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would actually betray him. Whenever Jesus said to the disciples, here's the cost of following me, he's not saying that because he's trying to check out who's in and who's out. Here's what he's doing. He's trying to reveal to them who's in and who's out. It's sort of the idea that when you throw out, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And here's what much in America that we teach today is the idea, well, the salvation message, yes, it's a very free, but we almost preach it like it's cheap. Like here, look, just be sorry. Come to Jesus and that's all you have to do. You'll make it to heaven. And here's, I think, what Jesus is saying. Come to me and give everything to me right now. Lock, stock, and barrel. Family, friends, life, desires, Hope, dreams, give it to me. Gosh, so we're like, well, that, what kind of deal is, I mean, pastor, you're sort of teaching legalism. Like if we come to Jesus, there, there's works. And, no, here's the deal. He's offering to you real life, not a ticket just to heaven, but real life here and now. And it's only found if you go all in with him. Hmm. I put in your notes, I think the gospel today, if we were to put words around it, many times when we preach, we want the, be, the gospel to be very palpable and very practical for people. Palpable meaning that it's discernible and that it's easily understood and, hey, just come to Jesus, say you're sorry and everything will be okay. And I think the gospel sometimes that Jesus taught was very provoking and powerful. It wasn't just a matter of words, but it was power. And he would say to people, look, you want to come with me? Fine. Give everything and let's go now. And I wonder, look, I wonder in America if it was really laid out that way. I wonder if our churches would multiply or empty. I don't know. It's a a quick answer to throw out multiply. I don't know, to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of people who very much are like, yes, I'm there. But I, if, what if it was really thrown out there? Like, look, it's not just some easy peasy, lemon squeezy salvation. What if it was salvation is free, but if you follow him, it's going to cost everything. That it's not an easy road. That serving Jesus is not the cosmic Santa Claus in the sky. But you'll gain everything from it but it may cost you everything to do it. Is that the gospel that Jesus preached? Huh. 9.23 says, he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. The very next verse, in context, he teaches this. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And then he goes on to say, what would it profit you if you gained the whole world but lost your own soul in the middle of that? Look, if I don't soften that message, if I don't take the rough edge off of that, if I refuse to dull the cut of the scripture right there, what do you say? 
Is it an appealing gospel still? If I don't tell a joke, if I don't tell a human interest story, if I don't find something that we can all relate to and feel like we're in the cosmic hot tub of church. (laughs) Now listen. What if a day were to happen to us that people were very unprepared for because the gospel to them is a very, well, you come to Jesus, you pray a few prayers, and everything will just be, what if it got tough? What if it got bumpy? What if you were hated for what you believe? What if the laws of the land suddenly turned against us? What if the very laws that seemed to be so productive for protection actually became the very thing that were used against Christians for standing up for truth? Who's in now? It's rhetorical, by the way. Here's the thing. It's easy to say yes now. Why would you ever teach this kind of a message? Because the reality is that to serve him can be bumpy. That we live in a world that doesn't hold on to everything that we believe. That it can be uncomfortable to be a believer. And that if we're very unprepared for that, when it happens to us, here's what we think. Something's wrong with me or the power of my gospel, or the promises of my God. What if the very nature of it is, if you want to serve me, there's a price to pay? Well, that's not the gospel I ever heard. Uh, Back to 23. Back to 23. Let's pray. Whoever's in the back control. There we go. The Lord answers prayer. Look, as soon as I went to pray, you see that? Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple. Look at this. He doesn't demand. He puts it out there like it would be an attractive thing. <laughs> you love me? Yes. No, not me. Not, no, no. I know you love me. That's for after the message. Hold on. Then he said to them, he's asking like, do you love me? Whoever wants to be my disciple. Like, like, you lo- like he's assuming. You love me, right? You love me. Okay, so if you love me, you want to be an disciple? Okay. So here's what it takes. You've got to be willing to deny yourself and take up your cross every day and follow me. And right now, if I leave that message where it's at, that hard edge can be so misinterpreted to go out of here and try to do something in the flesh. You're right, I've got to take this on. I've got to be a better servant. I've got to try harder. I need to do more. 
But remember what I said? If you don't know how to interpret how the Holy Spirit works, you'll read scriptures like this and you'll take it on as legalism. So there is a cost that we've got to count if you want to be part of his call. But here's how you do it. And this is the message of the gospel. You don't do it by imposing your will on your flesh. I'm going to go home and be selfless. I'm going to go home and take up my cross. I'm going to go home and follow him daily. Everything is based on this issue. Relationship with Jesus. Follow Jesus. This is critical. The difference between imposition and invitation is life and death. Let me say it one more time. The difference between imposition and invitation is life and death. An invitation is something that we say yes to because we want to, because we desire to, because it's a joy to or an honor to or we can't wait to. And an imposition is something we put up with. And as soon as we can, we get out from underneath an imposition. Yes or no? Even like when we invite someone through imposition, you can stay three days, <laughs> two weeks, but then you got to go, man. Imposition is something we can't wait to get away from, and invitation is something we accept and we go after. And here's what he's offering us, an invitation to follow him. The difference in everything is the relationship and the love that's involved in it. All right, let me take this verse. I'm going to show you something really neat. Let me take this verse, apply what I just said. Don't use imposition. I'm going to go home and I'm going to deny myself. If you really think that works, go home and try it. I, I do. I bless you to go try it. Some of you are very self-disciplined and you'll make it further than others. But you'll miss the mark by a million miles. You'll be better than I will be but you won't come near to what Jesus is calling you to do. So when you stand before him, you may say, I beat my pastor. <laughs> but Jesus will say, he wasn't the measurement. <laughs> He'll say, I was the measurement. So let me take this scripture, applying just what I said that it's not imposition, it's invitation, that you always begin everything you do by following him first. Relationship with him first, and then he'll give you the grace to do what he calls you to do. So let me take this very verse, and all I'm gonna do is take the very principle I just taught, let me just show you from this verse. All I'm gonna do is reverse this verse, watch this. Luke 9.23, using the principle I just said. Follow me daily to take up your cross. This is denying yourself and the way of a disciple. Follow me daily because this is denying yourself. You're not following you. You're not doing what you, follow me. And in that relationship, by doing that, that's denying yourself. And when you deny yourself, that's taking up your cross. And when you take up your cross, we'll do this every day. And it doesn't make it where there's no issue with it, 
but now you can handle the issue. It's the difference between imposition and invitation. How many of you want to be a real disciple? Okay, so I say this every week. I've got some idea every week. of Let's get into community. I wonder how many people, when I say that, want to do that. So here's the reaction. Before you leave the sanctuary, you're going to meet three people, four people, five people. Shake hands. Hi, I had community. That's not community. Real community? Oh my goodness. It's an imposition. Yes, no? Real community is messy. Real community takes time and effort and energy in people's schedules who have none. How are we going? Jesus calls us to community. How are we going to do it? I'm going to shake three people's hands as I leave the sanctuary and I will feel good. We didn't deny ourselves. We followed ourselves. To really do this, you've got to fall passionately in love with him so that you then make room in your life to do the things he tells you to do. He gives you the grace. So i got a guy I meet every Saturday morning. Listen, when I stand up here and talk about community, I want you to know, I don't stand up here and tell you to do something I wouldn't do. Several times during the week, I meet with people, but some of them are pastors, so I'm not sure that one counts. <laughs> but there's a guy sitting in this service right now that every Saturday morning, I make a commitment to get out of my house and to go and to sit with him, and we disciple each other. I'm not discipling him. He's also discipling me. And he talks to me about my marriage, and I talk to him about his marriage, and raising children, and where we're at with God, and things that work good and things that aren't working good. And why am I telling you this? Listen, when you say you're busy, I bet I could compete with you on that issue. I'm busy, man. But how do I find time to do this thing right here? I so love Jesus and submit to him that it puts the grace in my heart to go do this. And it's not an imposition for me, even though it's an imposition to do it. It's an invitation and I have, am I making sense to you right now? Do you get it? This is the difference of the gospel that works and the one that we're always trying to work out. The one that we're always trying to work hard to make happen. Follow me daily to take up your cross. This is denying yourself in the way of disciple. Let me give you practical. I married a strong German. 100% pure German. I mean, that woman is like, oh, she, the Energizer Bunny has nothing on well, my wife. She just is a dynamo of energy. And one day I was sitting on my couch watching television with the remote in my hand while my wife is schlepping the laundry up and down the stairs. And I'm watching her with this basket overflowing and she's hoist. And here's my thought. God, that woman is so strong. <laughs> That's my thought. <laughs> Look how strong. And you know, here's my thought. Germans are strong people. <laughs> this is my thought. I'm blessing my wife in my head. Look how strong she is. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, John, Carry that basket up the stairs. <laughs> Don't tell her how strong she is. Get up and carry that basket up the stairs. Now this, you, you go, oh, come on, pastor, how big of a deal is that? It's so big, 
that it's not a habit I have to impose on myself. Because I love Jesus and he tells me to do something, the grace is there every time, yes or no, I carry that basket up every time. God, I become a better husband because I follow Jesus. I'm all in. I'm a better friend because I follow Jesus and I'm all in. And when I don't, it's only me that I can offer somebody. Does this make sense? Yeah. Let me, let me, I had a tough counseling situation recently, really a difficult one. And my heart, my heart, let, let me, I was trying to figure out how would I say this to you? See if you can get this. Do you ever come to a place in life where you just don't have the wisdom to know how to handle a particular situation? I mean, do you really know what I mean by that right there? Do you ever feel like I just, and it's an important issue. And now you can do what your flesh wants to do, but you know what the result is going to be. You live long enough to do that one. And sometimes when you just don't have the wisdom, let me tell you exactly what you do in order to be successful. If you submit yourself to Jesus and you will tell him, I want to do exactly what you want to do. Here's what I do. I'll grab the Bible and I'll start reading the Bible. And even if I don't have the wisdom how to handle the situation, I'll look at a scripture. And when I see the Lord give me any indication on how to handle, I am so all in that I'll go do exactly. Obedience to Jesus will give you success even when you don't have the wisdom to know how to handle a situation. Even if you don't know how to handle the situation, you'll be successful. So I, I come to the end of our message. And I, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to do for sure a salvation call with this because I think so many times there's nothing wrong with saying, look, if you need God's grace and you need God's mercy and you need his love and you, you, you want what he offers, not, not just heaven in the bag, but life, abundant life. It's okay to, him, to come to him for those reasons, but sometimes I wonder if we shouldn't say to people, count the cost before you go do this. Don't just say emotionally yes to me because it's a ticket out of hell. Say yes because you're all in. Because you'll bow your knee right now and you want to give everything. And if you can't make that decision, then go home and figure out first whether or not you want to pay the price. Boy, that's... Where did you get that from, Pastor? Jesus. (laughs) Jesus said that. Decide whether you want to pay the price first. Uh, So that one's easy. But then the discipleship one is the one, for some reason, this is the one. Folks, I just, I feel this great spiritual urgency in my heart to push for discipleship. Not just like, yeah, I'm a disciple, I'm a follower. If it gets difficult, here, the difference between a follower and a disciple is one bad day. One bad day. One bad day. That's all it will take. That, that will decide the difference between a follower and a disciple. And it's an emotional, I'm, I'm in. I would never. I will never. How do you know? How do you know? I don't think it's an emotional thing that we're supposed to agree to. I think it's a very serious thing we're supposed to count the cost for and decide... Would I give everything if it was cost, if it, that's what was required of me? How do you? So I thought to myself, here's how I'd say it. I'm going to pray for salvation, but the discipleship issue, 
I'm not going to have you raise your hand or make a response. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Okay, if you want to be a disciple, go home, count the cost, and I'll see you next week if you're in. If you're not, you decide. It's pretty serious. Hmm. So Lord, I just put it out there without trying to fluff it or massage it or water it down. I know that that message in and of and by itself, well, it's a pretty steep message. And just like some of the followers of Jesus said to him, well, that's a difficult message. Who could follow that? I realize some people probably are asking themselves that question right now. Folks, the way you answer that is not to say, okay, I'll make that decision. Here's really what he's asking you. Do you want to be a disciple? Do you want a relationship with him? You don't make the decision like, okay, I'll give everything up. That's not it. Do you want a relationship with him? So if you're here this weekend, any of our campuses, you hear this message and you're sitting there, and I offer to you the opportunity right now to come to Christ. This is true. He's merciful. He forgives. He heals. He cares. He offers his life. You don't have to walk out of here the way you walked in here. If you're in need of His grace and His mercy, it is available right now. But count the cost. Do you just want heaven? Or do you want God's life? You want relationship. Pretty unemotional, straightforward, no-nonsense approach to a message right now. So let me just ask. It's not an opportunity. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just a hardcore decision right now. If you don't know Christ, and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Him. Listen to my words. I want to give my life to Him. I realize He's offering His life to me, but I want to give my life to Him. If that's you and you just say, remember me when you pray. Any of our campuses right now, just slip your hand up. Just let me pray for you. I want to give my life to him. Sure. Yep. Yep. Any of our campuses, our campus pastors, each one right now will be looking to, to see who you are to pray. Just to acknowledge your decision. So I want to give my life to him.
Okay, you can put your hands back down. Here's what I would say to you. Look up at me real quick. When we print this, we just feel that if you really want to give your life to him, then understanding what that really means is absolutely inevitable. And in this packet is the information on how to do that. It's free. It's not about religion or becoming a member of a church. It's about what it means to have a relationship with God. And it's available at every one of our campuses. And here's how you get this. If you said, that's me and I want to give my life to Christ, then on your way out, at all of our exits, you'll see people standing holding these right here. You've got to take it. We don't know who you were. We didn't mark you in the service. No one's going to come and hand it to you. You've got to be the one that puts the impetus on yourself to get this. So without any kind of like hold back, if you make that decision, get this. It's going to be really valuable to you. For the rest of you, assuming that you've already made that decision, which I realize is the majority of the people, that's why you're here. But on the question of discipleship, gosh, I know that the Lord is so much pulling me deeper and closer and further and growing in that. And if this message really is about growing from self-centered to God-centered lives, then you can't listen to this message and not find yourself like, okay, I love him. God's calling me deeper. I'm going to say this to you. Rather than do anything in a service like we normally do, go to a cross or come to an altar or fill out something, here's what I want you to do. I really want you to count the cost. Count the cost. So maybe it's a time really to reconfirm that. God, what do you want me to do in my life with this message? And I just feel so compelled not to make this an easy thing just to simply look at, smile at, and walk away from. What do you want to do with it? If it's just simply Jesus calling you deeper, what do you want to do with that? I'll let you decide. I'll let you decide. A little bit of a different message. A little bit of a different style for me. But I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, don't soften this. Leave this out here. Let people hear it and decide. Sometimes the Word of God is a separating factor. Flesh from spirit. Not salvation. Flesh from spirit. And it's okay if God does that in our lives, right? That's right. Okay. I'm going to commit then you to the rest of the weekend. I do bless you. I do love you. I'm not mad at all. Please don't take that from the message. I want you to have a great weekend. Here's what I invite you to do. If you're a visitor, make sure to stop by Welcome Center on your way out. If you have time to grab coffee, they're brewing fresh coffee out there, and we'd invite you to partake of that. If you need to go, you can feel dismissed. We bless you. Have a great weekend.